0: are here for a very special recording Uh, i'd like to welcome everybody to the vet sos show uh, brought to you by the who you know network remember don't drown to see a transition grab the vet sos lifeline i'm here as always with my co-host mark elder mark how you doing this evening
1: hey hello everyone welcome to this week's show we're super excited because we've got some great content for you i know joel is going to drop some bombs, and she has also uh, Dr. Marquez here, too. She'll be joining us, and uh, we're excited to hear about what they're doing to help veterans, uh, both on the physical and the, the mental side of things. That is certainly something that everybody needs to hear, and I know it's at the top
0: of a lot of veterans' minds. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So without further ado, Joel, let me go through your bio real quick, and we can get into talking. Do you want me to bring in Dr. Jennifer Uh, while we do the bio?
2: Sure, that'd be great.
0: (laughs) Okay. There we go. How are you doing today, Dr. Marquez?
2: I'm great. I'm
0: happy to be here. Outstanding. Glad to have you. Okay, so Joelle is a well-known psychotherapist, military psychology, and PTSD expert. Her passion is helping those in need find empowerment by discovering how to be their most true and successful selves by developing self-discovery and post-traumatic growth. As a psychotherapist, she uses reflective listening and encouragement to provide feedback and interaction that allows clients to make informed, healthy, and compassionate decisions. Her career highlights include being a guest speaker on ABC 60 Minutes, Beyond the Headlines, authoring a TED-Ed video on PTSD, and several outstanding achievement awards for top female executives. We are so happy to have you both here today. Joelle, how are you doing today?
2: I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited to be here and talk about this today and meet new people. So this is fantastic.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, This is a a topic that's near and dear to my heart. I I have uh, watched friends of mine struggle with this. Uh, Some, unfortunately, um, took it all the way. In the wrong direction, uh, and, and many military people share that same experience, and it's something that we need to continue to find ways to to, to chip away at it, if you will. Uh, so, uh, Joel, can, can you tell us a little a little bit about you know what you do, how you do it, you know what you got going on over there?
2: Sure. So I am a licensed marriage and family therapist and then um, did my clinical PhD and I work under my marriage and family therapy license. And I I first got into being interested in trauma through working with um, eating, broad spectrum eating disorders, trauma and addictions. Well, I'm a ballerina by training. I did that for 22 years. So you can draw the dots Um, and was in my own therapy for, for trying to figure out my own trauma that I was later then diagnosed with um, PTSD and then even later complex PTSD. And and that started this journey of what, what does that actually mean and what does that look like? Um, I'm a true civilian. I'm one of very few in the San Francisco Bay Area that actually takes TRICARE and the VA and has since... Um, 2013 i've worked with uh, military since 2011 so i'm a military psychology expert um and fell into it and i think it was it was sort of before the that was being studied in school right so a lot of it was just learned experience and it made sense i had grew up in a military family my dad didn't deploy was that was not his role um but the personality type right that persona made a lot of sense and i I started working with a few military clients and went, "Oh, these are my people. Okay, I get this." Um, and and so I think it was it was kind of that that started this experience of working with military and first responders, um, law enforcement, and then looking at PTSD as what does that actually mean? Is it post traumatic stress versus post traumatic stress disorder that D affects our daily life and living, right? And then, you know, how do we how do we get beyond that? The and so what? Not who so what? Who cares about it? But so what does that actually mean? And um, how do we contextualize it in a way that we can work through it, right? And and um, not forget it happened.
1: So, can you maybe describe the difference between you had mentioned, you know, post traumatic stress, and then it being a disorder, but The difference between what people perceive because i think a lot of people perceive ptsd that word instills this image of shell shock and people that have been in combat but that's not necessarily so right
2: right and for me it's fundamentally important with the work that i do to really talk about post-traumatic stress and that people who um are military and and Veterans, retirees, wh- whatever the process they're they're in, right? Military, um, first responders, law enforcement. Of course, their experiences are going to be post traumatic, right? And th- and there is a stress response holistically, mind, body, and spirit. How we think about things, how we internalize things physically, and and how we emotionally, spiritually, whatever that looks like for people that may be faith dependent, and it may be ego, right? what what that actually means and and trauma affects us so profoundly. And for some people that experience turns into this disordered component, right? Where it's affecting their daily life and living and their functionality. They're not functioning the way they used to before the trauma. And so that's when this this de-disordered component comes in. So for me, I start with this post-traumatic stress when we experience trauma, whether it's, um, you know, something that's horrific, terrifying, and, and um, catastrophic that we experience to ourselves versus something that's witnessed, right? Juxtaposed to what I think of as micro-traumas, something where we grow up with a, you know, witnessing DV or a parent that is narcissistic, right? And there's emotional abuse, um, relational traumas, that stack up like Legos, right? Um, All of these things are traumatic. It doesn't mean, you know, just going to war, right? Is, Is this big T horrible trauma and you can't have PTSD if you don't have that experience, right? So it starts with this idea of when we experience things that are traumatic, we have a stressful response. For some people, that goes away over time. And for other people, it doesn't, right? And then maybe we have another traumatic response, you know, or experience, right? And um, it's a different, something that's a, a different episode. And then we experience that. And that may go away for some people and it doesn't for others, right? And and so this idea of, of post-traumatic stress makes sense. Our bodies respond, our minds respond, we respond emotionally and we hold that. And then for some people, they move forward, right? And for other people, they lose a little part of themselves, right? And so the disordered component is, well, when I can't deal with it anymore, right? Or when I'm not functioning the way that I used to and it's overtaking my life, you know? And so I think I think that with career, especially with – with um, I get to work with active duty military. It's one of the things that I, I do, and, and Tier 1 – um, soft soft teams and, you know, there. I, I get the question all the time, well, why is it that it's bothering me now when it didn't 18 years ago, right? Or I've done this for 18 years and it never bothered me before. And I love the question, you know, um, why do some of my friends end up with PTSD but but others don't, right? They're, they're great questions. I think we think of it as willpower, um, resiliency, right? Um, um, mental fortitude. And I don't know if any of that's true. I think it's all about how we process it in the moment.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Do you think some of that is just innate or it's more nurture in how we process that?
2: Gosh, I wish I had the that. That's like the magic. That is the magic question. And I wish I had like the the ultimate answer. I think it's very individualized. I think what's traumatic for somebody who I'm talking to may not be traumatic for me, or vice versa, right? My trauma may not be traumatic to somebody else, and so trauma is in the eyes of the beholder, and um, and I don't know if we talk about trauma in a way that helps people grieve the experience of this, this thing happened to me, and I experienced it, whatever that looks like. Um, and there's a grieving process of how I hold that. And we just, you know, go suck it up, buttercup, move on, you know, put your boots on, get out there at 0530. And we're done, right? We, we don't, we don't have those moments where we allow people to really just sit in it, because it, it's not the way that we're socialized, right?
0: You're going to give me PTSD with the, that comment alone. That was the biggest Sorry. fight my wife and ever, and I ever had. I came back from a deployment and told her to suck it up and drive on. It was that was a long two weeks. Uh, <laughs> I'm still struggling with that one a little bit. Um, yeah. So you you brought up the, the question of, or being asked the question, the 18-year mark. I mean, it's yeah. been 18 years. Why is it happening now? And... I wanted to know more about that. I have a lot of friends, and myself included, going through the retirement process, you know, and, and all these memories are flooding back. You yeah. know, you're kind of reflecting on your whole career, everything going on, and there's memories and thoughts that you kind of bury deep down <laughs> that yeah. start coming back up. And I've seen some people struggle with that pretty well. Um, what is your experience in that that realm when, when you're talking about sort of the end of the career? Is there some sort of scientific background to that or
2: not a lot of scientific background, unfortunately, because there's that, like you asked earlier, the nature versus nurture question, yeah. right? There's not a lot of research. We have some very broad ideas of if someone had pre-military trauma um, or exposure to um, traumatic situations, and that could include socioeconomic disparity, you name it, right? There's potentially a correlation to having post-military PTSD, but there's not a whole lot of information about that. Um, my opinion, my personal opinion, based on working with, with, um, clients for a long time now is threefold. One is it's, compartmentalized for so long right uh and i as i as a a psychologist right i can't have you you know process all of your emotions and then send you downrange again that doesn't work right at some level that compartmentalization needs to hold true right so you can go do your job because if you're feeling it all the time right it makes you know, potentially you unsafe, the mission unsafe, the people to the right and left of you unsafe, right? Because that situational awareness is impacted. So some of it is, I think we are in the habit of putting band-aids on and sending people back out. And so at that transition mark around that, you know, whatever 18 year mark is Typically when people start coming into my office for a lot of different reasons, some of it is to start saying, I'm ready to talk about it. Right. There's I don't have anything to lose. I'm not going to be reprimanded at work. Um, I won't be passed out for promotion. It's something I'm ready to start documenting for my VA records. Whatever the case is, people start coming in and saying, OK, I'm ready to talk about it. I think the compartmentalization is starting to um just it's the cup runneth over, right? Like a tea kettle, it just starts to all boil up and and spill out. And it's hard to contain it. And I think that's starting to happen as people are thinking about what the next steps are and transition and life 3.0. Okay, now what am I going to do? Right? Who am I going to be? Because this has been my whole life. Right? And so when it's gone, does everything else go away? So I think that there's this fear of um lo- you know, losing who I am with it. and so all of those memories and the feelings, the good the good, the bad, the ugly, right? the indifferent all come up all all at mm-hmm. the same time, right? It's not this I'm thinking about this one thing and I'm reliving this one thing. It's now I'm I'm in all of it all the time. And um, it's harder to to figure out how, how do I, How do I understand all of it? So I think it's, I think that transition mark is really important. And people really start reliving things because they're trying to figure out what life is going to look like when I'm not doing this thing anymore, right?
1: Yeah. How common is it for, and everything that you're saying makes sense. It's almost like allergies, right? Like if somebody has a peanut allergy or a tree nut allergy, they might be exposed to some and it really doesn't cause a reaction, but it stacks, right? Physiologically, allergies like that stack and there's a tipping point, right, to where it all comes tumbling down. Um, Do you see that very common? And and how often do you see that for people that are transitioning To, to your point, right? They're going through this new environment, losing some of their identity or reshaping their identity. So how does that impact them?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes, you know, it, it depends on age, age and generation, where, you know, where people are at in their, in their military career. A lot of times I would hear, um, you know, oh, well, I was non-deployable. That doesn't mean that there wasn't toxic leadership or there wasn't something else going on. Um, there wasn't MST. You know, I've, I've heard a lot of people that are on the JAG side right who are coming in and they have this vicarious or secondary trauma it's it's not something happened to me but i've been listening to horrific stories or i'm reading reports or i'm watching video right and i'm having this traumatic experience but i didn't deploy so it doesn't count so i think part of it is awareness and then the other thing that that i see is yeah it stacks and what I hear from people is it's usually stories that are, um, and stories in the narrative sense, not in a dismissive sense, where we say that in in how we create a narrative in our own head, right? Um, people will come in and they'll say, well, it was the Humvee here in that time, and it was, you know, 06 that time, and it was Afghanistan that time, and it was a red car, and it was a, it's not one specific incident, you know? Um, Typically, I'm not seeing people that are coming in where they've had a horrific thing happen and they're having a PTSD response when they're in this transitionary period. It's all of these different little pieces, you know, um, you know, the letter I had to write to to this kid's parents, like it, it's a bunch of different things and they're starting to remember it as if it's all one thing. Right. It's starting to all flood back. All
1: and together. It, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. And so picking it out and trying to figure out, okay, what, you know, what pieces of of this, right, are bothersome isn't helpful. I think what's helpful is, go, is to say, yep, this is what this looks like. It's post-traumatic stress. So can we work with the staying, you know, into the, okay, and so what? How do we move through this, right? So the mm-hmm. disordered piece we can work with where it's not impacting your daily life, living, functioning, right? As any more, any more than it needs to, you know, is it post-traumatic stress? Sure. Of course it is. Why, why wouldn't it be? Something traumatic happens. We have a response that's stressful, right?
0: Mm -hmm. We're both going to (laughs) go. No, no, go ahead. (laughs) Uh, So, on your website, you you have several different categories. You know, you you work with relationships, individuals, professionals, and the first responders and military. Uh, One of the things that I noticed under your list for military and first responders is the returning to civilian life. Yeah. Um, That to me is also a big one that's impacting a ton of people, um, myself included, you know, making that transition, you know, through retirement, and then also ties in nicely to us trying to find some sort of gainful employment after the military. But I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, how you help service members and first responders return, you know, to civilian life.
2: Yeah, I think it's the. For me, it starts with um, if you had a magic wand, right, and and couldn't raise anything. And believe me, most people come in, and that's not what they say. They don't want to give it up, right it's, it's so the good and the bad, it's so important that they don't want to erase that piece of it. Right. So it's like, okay, if, if you could create anything, what would that look like? You know, and, and it starts with, I just want to break. Like if I could just take six months and catch my breath, right. Or I don't want to be in a leadership role anymore. So sometimes it's really just starting with, let's just create the, Life 3.0, right? Let's create this magic wand scenario where you could, you know, envision whatever it is that you wanted to do, right? What does that look like? And then what's getting in your way from actually creating that? Some people, it's finances, right? Other people, it's um, young children. It's having to move again. It's whatever, right? So it's really trying to work with, with, top down. Let's take the scenario. Let's see what pieces of it we can actually make work for you. And then, okay, what's the self-sabotage? What are you getting in your way about? Because most people will say, I don't know who I am. Ah, that's a different question. That's not, I don't know what I'm going to do when I retire. You know, I don't know. I don't know who I am, or I don't know who I'm going to be, or what if I never get over this, right? That's more about the moral injury that comes with with um, post-traumatic stress or, or trauma or PTSD, right? Mm-hmm. Is this is an internal injury and I don't know how to move beyond that. What is that going to look like? So we start working with that.
1: Do, do you find that there are, in, and I'm, I'm really super interested in this because I, I actually, um, I was a medic in the Air Force. And so one of our wards at our hospital was, was the Gulf War Syndrome uh, ward, and so there were all sorts of studies being done on PTSD and, and you know all the things that were associated with that. Um, you know, this is right, up, probably right up your alley. Um, one of the things that they were talking about was training your brain, right, yeah. to how to overcome and how to uh, cope, and so. Are you getting into like some of the exercises to to help kind of reroute synaptic um, responses and things like that? And and how do you do that?
2: Yeah, I always start with skills. So that's anything from cognitive behavioral or CBT skills, dialectical behavior, DBT skills, which is more of a mind-body connection, that idea of breath work, um, and meditation, in addition to thought stopping and and redefining um, that that negative self-talk and how we think about things, um, to something more targeted cognitive processing therapy, which is the very specific model that takes people through an incident, and they it's a seven to twelve session experience um and the idea is that they've worked through it so something that's very empirically based skill centered to something more body based like emdr eye movement rapid desensitization which is more about how we process and hold trauma Um, so yes absolutely the skills is fundamentally important i usually start there most people will come in and um, they either will tell me very little and just say i'm just here because you know i just i've never done therapy before and you know my buddy or my wife or somebody told me you know i need to go but i don't have an issue right or they (laughs) come in like here's the most horrific thing that happened and i feel like a lot of times that's a test because i actually know i've not i'm a civilian never been in the military i will never pretend that i've been in the military and so i think sometimes people come in and they kind of test the water and they're like, let me tell you this one horrific thing and see how, how you respond, right, how she responds. And then maybe I can trust her. So there's that trust developing. And I've gotten to do some pretty cool stuff. And in my, my other office, I have awards and, um, you know, but even then, you know, it's, it's a lot of, of acronyms and language and, and that dark sense of humor. And, and I think really people need that connection right before they're willing to do the work. And um it makes sense. Like why would you tell somebody you don't trust your story? You wouldn't. So, you know, of course that makes perfect sense. Um and you know, I I've got, you know, tell you stories upon stories of um, you know, I, I'm not gonna swear, but but garbage that um <laughs> some of the teams that I get to work with have done to me. It's it's quite entertaining. I was you know, left on a, a train platform while they waved at me on a different train, and like, you, you 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 name it. And then I complained, and they told me to sit my rear end down because I'd been recycled. So you know, I just <laughs> so much of that though, is, is fundamentally important, right, to developing trust. So you know, I start with skills, and I'm like, hey, let's just see if this works. If it doesn't work, cool, wrong theory. Like. If it doesn't work for three weeks in a row, wrong therapist, let's send you somebody great. Like, you don't like me, that's fine. I'll send you somebody somewhere good, right? Um, Because right now, you know, being trauma informed is sort of buzzword. and, And there's a lot of people out there that say it, but they don't have the experience, right? And being military informed because there's a cultural component. You know, every branch is different. There's, you know, different structures within each branch, right? It, 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 being culturally competent is really important when it comes to working with, with service members as well. So.
0: Yeah. Amen to that. Are you saying we have trust issues?
2: <laughs> no. Why would I say that?
0: <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I think
1: think in Sean, you know, you can talk to this cause you're in, in the, you know, you're in the thick of it right now, but um what does the military teach? I mean, one of the biggest factors is resiliency, right? Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's adapt and overcome and be resilient. Right. And you're going to get through this one way or the other. And so I think that's ingrained in, in soldiers and airmen and sailors and in Marines. And so I think that's why it's such an issue because everything is swept under the rug. It's not addressed. And, then it just blows, like you said, it stacked and it just blows up, and people just implode. Um, yeah. What are some of the, you know, I guess, job seeker things? Because this is also a transition show, right? So, what are some of the things that you see people that are are transitioning, and maybe they're dealing with, they're, well, obviously, if you're talking with them, they probably are dealing with PTSD, and how does that play into their success or failure as far as transition goes?
2: Yeah. There, there's so many, so many things you said there that, um, are, are worth addressing. Uh, I think the resiliency piece is, it's important in the moment and it, it gets in the way, um, sometimes because I think we assume that, well, I've had all this training and I've been so resilient, right? I, I've I've done my job. I've done it well. And now all of a sudden I'm having an issue, right? With with big air quotes. Um, it's so much more about resilience, about resiliency, right? And it's, and it's being able to redefine, well, what does resiliency look like now? Right? And what is it going to look like when I'm no longer, when I'm no longer in the military, and I'm doing a different job? And I think. Um, really being aware of what my pitfalls are and what what you know the things that light me up are, are going to be really different than somebody else. And so we start trying to pick those things apart. And it's interesting because some people come in and they're like I'm here because I think I should be. And it's almost like I'm not I'm not sure if I have PTSD or PTSD. I you know, I don't even know how to contextualize that or I've been in for 30 years. And so I just figured I probably should talk to somebody. Um, so we, I see a lot of people who, who actually aren't sure. They're, they're not sure what they, sh- what they come in with the should, what I, they should be feeling. And so that to me is about the transition, right? So, you know, I wanna look at, well, what makes you, like, what do you know pushes your buttons? Is it people being um, late? Okay, well, when you go work in the civilian world, guess what? People are like, like what, because what, that's not it for everybody, right? Is it disrespect? Is it um, people don't understand? Is it um, that the room, just the environment isn't set up where it feels comfortable, right? So what are these things? Can we try and guess what are some of the things that are going to push your buttons when you're in a different working environment? Right and okay, and let's work with that, and then that's where, as you were talking before about the skills, right? That's where the skills part comes in. Okay, let's just work with this, right? And and we try and learn new skills without having to completely dismantle something, the old skills, because that that doesn't work. We have to sort of very slowly implement something new. So so much of it is awareness. right? I don't, I don't know what I don't know. And I don't know what to expect. And that's terrifying. What's it going to look like when um, I don't have uh, to wear a uniform every day? Like, well, what I don't even I don't even know what that's going to look like. And that sounds so trite and silly. And you're smiling, right? Because it, it can be it can be day stopping for somebody, right? It can be, that can be the thing that pushes someone over the edge to the point where they cannot function, right? They're so overwhelmed um, because the lack of structure. So sometimes it's like, all right, well, let's lay out your clothes the night before. And I know that sounds ridiculous, right? It's these little things that people haven't been taught the skills to work with the adversity in a different way. And so it's taking what they do know with that resiliency training and going, hey, you already know this, this stuff. I'm not, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. We're just going to rework it in a different way. We're going to create a schedule. You're going to get up at this time. You're going to go to bed at that time. We're going to put PT in. We're going to put in like put your week's worth of clothes out. We're going to create implement this structure because I think that's the biggest thing is somebody goes from being very structured to having no structure and then that's overwhelming right and that overwhelming causes the anxiety and then we can see kind of how that ball right or that that thing spirals so it starts for me there with um what what's going on Hmm. with that
0: yeah that that is uh definitely true and the resiliency thing is kind of interesting at least on the army side because i i've been a resiliency instructor for several years and Every time we do a course, we run into those people who, oh, you're, you're making the army soft, you know, this, and, and, and all those stigmas behind it. And, and those people never e- embrace it at all. And, and that, that's what it is. But I know we're, we're pretty close to ending uh, time here. So before, before we ask you about, you know, your, your company and, and how people can reach out to you and things like that, talk to us a little bit about the stigma it comes with seeking some sort of counseling or, or help or something like that because it's it's still rampant in, in the military. And, and you know, I've sought help for anger management a few times. One of these times, it'll stick. But um, I use that example with my soldiers all the time to, to let them know that hey, it, it didn't stop me. I, I'm still here. I'm still going. You know, it, it, get past the stigma. It's not there. Uh, but how else can we work on that?
2: Yeah, I think it's, I, I really think it's an internal, um, in other words, in the military, right? So much of it is really being able to say, it's okay to go talk to somebody, right? It's okay to, to not be perfect all the time. It's okay to have, you know, emotions and experiences that maybe don't track with, you know, you know your your unit or your, you know, whichever, right? Um I think some of it is that, and I think some of it is really starting to be clear on what de-disordered means, right? Um, and what what PTSD looks like, because all I think we as civilians know is what we see on TV, mm-hmm. and and that isn't that isn't necessarily an accurate representation, right? And so. Um, Some of it is education on the civilian side. I think a lot of it though is internal and and being able to change ideology. And that is hard. It's, you know, if it were that easy, everybody would be doing it, right? Um, Simple concept, not easy. And so a lot of it is ideology and that being resilient absolutely doesn't mean that one is not going to react to something that's traumatic and stressful. Right. I can have a traumatic reaction and still be resilient. Those two things can both be true. And so I think we've put this in an either or paradigm and we do a disservice. You know, people are very resilient. And so how do we how do we help them embrace that resiliency and also experience what they've experienced, you know, and give them room to to talk through that or or work through that with whatever that looks like for people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 leverage it, right. Leverage that experience for a positive outcome.
2: Yeah. And yeah. it takes leaders talking about it. It really does. I mean, it, it takes leadership coming in and saying, I did this thing. You, you can do this, this thing, having good MFLAX, right. That are, are going to be there and actually do, do the work and not be the go between, but you know, between a uh, UCMJ and, and, you know, <laughs> reporting and all of that. And I know I, 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 don't know really what I'm talking about. It just, um,
0: Dropping all the acronyms. You got it all. You got it down.
2: It's it's very complicated, I guess, is what I'm saying. I don't, I don't think there's, there's a quick and easy solution. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so. Yeah, it's, it's, it's,
1: it's going to take a concerted effort of, by the community, right, to support the efforts of the, not only the individuals, but the the entire group or base of people that are experiencing that. And like you said, I mean, and hopefully this is something that we're going to hear about from you in just a second, but hopefully there's people like you that are out there helping educate employers, the public, right, on some of the nuances that people are going through and how to support people and not be not have that stigma come in and be a negative, right. Um, being able to, to work with those people and again, produce the best possible outcome because they are resilient. People are resilient and they can overcome it. They just need, need some help. And not just by someone like you with your profession, but again, the community, the community.
2: There's, you know, there's a lot of really great transition programs out there and nonprofits. Um, linkedin and and twitter have have a ton of them listed. Um, there are resources for universities about working with veteran students. Usually, universities have a veteran center, and professors are are um, having to. Do training and acclimate their learning styles, whether it's over Zoom or back in the classroom. So there's stuff that really is helpful that's going on um, in an in, in academic world and more, you know, in the career setting. There's a lot of nonprofits. Um, my favorite big information house is Psych Armor. And if anybody listening wants to know, like, how do you start working with military and veterans and what does the workplace look like or what are some of the issues that the people um, that are transitioning are facing? PsychArmor has free education and webinars. They have a ton of information out there. There are organizations like yours. There's a lot of stuff out there and and employers, um, in my opinion, really don't have an excuse to not be prepared to have veteran you know, and and retired first responders coming into their work environment. Um, There's so much out there and it really is just take an hour webinar. And I know, again, it sounds sounds so simple, right? Um, There's a ton of really great information as far as how employers can bring in the veteran community and what they may expect, um, the the pros and cons of doing that, right? you know, I'm I'm very lucky with with my job, uh, and I've got a great team. I actually have one um, person that's AGR Air Force, and she's been Air Force for a very long time, and she works with me part time. And her her you know uh, wing commander has been kind enough to let her come work for me and and uh, do her job still. And then I have two um, retired uh, military folks. So. Um, it's a unique perspective. I think that's going to make changes. More people going to psych school, not people like me, but people that have done the job um, and and going and, and being the counselors who can sit there and say, you know, I get it because they get it from having done the job, right? I can right. get it just a little bit, you know, so. Yeah, so.
0: yeah that's, that's important. Have you heard of the um, Mission Daybreak? That the va is putting on mm-hmm. have you looked into anything like that
2: a little bit yeah yeah,
0: yeah. i've talked to a couple of people that that actually have plans in fact one, one person we're trying to bring on here is uh doing things with uh horses mm-hmm. uh, to, to help uh veterans that are struggling and, and they're trying to work through this mission daybreak thing which is if you're not familiar, uh, Mark, it's a VA sponsored grant program to try to, um, I don't know if solves the right word, but reduce the veteran suicides. Mm. Um, so there's, there's, they're, they're, looking for ideas essentially. So I didn't know mm-hmm. if you you'd looked at that at all, Joel.
2: A little bit. Yeah. I mean, equine therapy is, is, they're amazing. There's so many things out there, you know, the, the issue with VA and with with TRICARE is these are huge organizations and there's years of, of brokenness and um, they work well for some things and not well for other things. And so it's very frustrating and it's just not fast enough. Um, and the other issue is people like me, um, providers have a very difficult time being in network with the VA um, and, and with TRICARE, I'm one of very few in the Bay area. um, And part of it is they make it difficult for providers to, to engage in services or or provide services. And so we've got to do more on, on both fronts where we are, we're bringing in more types of therapies. We're bringing in more providers. We're bringing in more training, right? That, that needs to happen to, to, for transition to prevent suicide on PTSD across the board for, for all of the things that um, that veterans deal with, be, they they have a unique set of circumstances, right? Not better or worse, just unique that employers and, and the community need to be aware of. Um, and instead of trying to put this spin where this is, you know, this is broken, this is ineffective, this is um, maladaptive. That's not helpful. So
0: yeah. Yeah,
1: glass half empty for yeah. sure.
0: So we're, we're getting down to, to time here, Joel. So I wanted to g- give you a few seconds here to, to basically let people know how they can contact you. We have your website and your LinkedIn if there's a preferred method. Um, if there's any services you want to promote or, or really uh, tell us about real quick um, and where you want people to go or, or if there's ways people can help you or support you, uh, anything like that that we can – try to spread the word on.
2: Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. And th- you've, you've got the spelling of my name. That's always the hardest thing for people because <laughs> our socials are all my name. Um, but yeah, and and I joke and say we're on all the socials, whatever that means. I don't know. I'm, I'm old. I don't pay attention to this. I have a team that does this stuff for me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we we provide services in throughout California, actually um, in, in several other states. Um, I do a lot of stuff with training and I'd love to come in and, and talk with people. I've done everything from stand down trainings and and again, working with with active duty soft teams um, to training law enforcement on resiliency and um, what what trauma looks like. Um, and people are always encouraged, you know, if, if I don't know the answer, I, I've got a great team and can point people to like, Hey, try this service. Um, you know, it's getting the information out there. Military one source is great. Given hour is great. You know, they have services and they have mental health services for people. And, um, both of those organizations have free, care for people. So it doesn't matter if you have TRICARE or not, there are people in those networks that will offer care. So, um, yeah, I just, just reach out and um, I'd love to, to come and help. If there are people listening that, that don't know how to get started and, or need training, let me know. And thanks for asking.
0: That is outstanding. So we're going to go ahead and close it out. Mark, did you have anything else?
1: No, I just say, guys, be sure to uh, take a take a picture, take a screenshot right now. Uh, make sure that you show Joelle some love in her organization, and uh, make sure that you blow her up on social media. So she's uh, up all night tonight commenting back to the, <laughs> <laughs> to the chat. So thank you, Joelle, for sharing. Super interesting, um, and I'd like to connect with you further. I know we we connected. Yeah. But I'd like to talk with you a little bit more about your family counseling and, and things like that, too, because I'm interested. I, I've got PTSD because I've got a eight of a six and a four-year-old. So um, I've got <laughs> oh, a little PTSD
2: of my own. So. My, mine are 20 and 22. One just graduated from college, and that'll do it, too. I'm like, wait, I thought we were financially independent. No? Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> the boomerang is alive and well. <laughs> it never stops. Great. It I, was, I was getting all excited. I got a senior this year, so it doesn't stop yet. Okay. No. All right. Well, Joel, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Your comments in the, in the chat. And uh, we'll uh, look forward to seeing you on the next time. That's right. Remember, don't
1: drown in the sea of transition. Grab your vet SOS lifeline. And we're out.